1: Welcome to Turning Point. Do you want to know what someone believes? Just watch how they behave. There's an undeniable connection between the two. Today, Dr. David Jeremiah examines that connection through the eyes of the Apostle Paul, who urges believers to keep Jesus first. From his series in Colossians, here's David to introduce today's message, what it means to be in Christ. Well, friends, if you study the letters of Paul, you're going to find a similar pattern in
0: almost every letter. He begins with doctrinal information, and then about halfway through, he uses that doctrinal information as the foundation for practical truth. Surely that's true in the book of Ephesians, and it's true here in the book of Colossians. Today, we begin part two of the book. As we look at this message, we've called what it means to be in Christ, Colossians 3, 1-11. Before we get into the lesson, I want to tell you about the resources that are available to you to study Colossians. Uh, we don't always do this. We can't always do it. Obviously, it would be impossible. But we have written a book on Colossians that carries you through every verse every lesson it's the book from which this series originated the book is called christ above all it's 288 pages and it comes with a kind of a small group little agenda at the end of the book for each chapter it's a beautifully designed um title and i think you'll love having it it'll be something you want to keep in your library i'm sure you'll come back to it as questions arise you can get your copy for a gift of any size to turning point during the month of august August is one of the challenging giving months of the year for all ministries, and we're no exception to that. So when you give, uh, make sure you ask for your copy of the book, Christ Above All, and it's our privilege to send it to you right away uh, to encourage you and strengthen you and uh, build you up in your faith. Right now, uh, we're going to answer a question that maybe you've wondered about because you've heard it. We are in Christ. What does that mean? Well... We'll find out today and tomorrow as we open our Bibles to the third chapter of the book of Colossians. Back in 1995, astronomer Bob Williams wanted to point the Hubble Space Telescope at a patch of sky filled with absolutely nothing remarkable. He wanted to do it for a hundred hours. It was a terrible idea, his colleagues told him, and a waste of valuable telescope time. People would kill for that amount of time with the sharpest tool in the shed, they said. And besides, there's no way the distant galaxies Williams hoped to see would be bright enough for Hubble to detect them. But Williams, the director of the Space Telescope Science Institute, was undeterred. He had a certain amount of Hubble's time at his personal disposal, and he suspected the billion light-year stare might uncover some of the faintest, farthest galaxies ever seen. So, with his job on the line, Williams did exactly what he had planned. For 100 hours, between December 18th and 28th, Hubble stared at a patch of sky near the Big Dipper's handle that was only about 1 as wide as the full moon. In total, the telescope took 342 pictures, each of which was exposed for between 25 and 45 minutes and the images were then processed and combined and colored, and 17 days later, they were released to the public. It turned out that nothing was actually something. It was something stuffed with galaxies. More than 3,000 of them came spilling out, spiral, elliptical and irregular, red and white and blue and yellow, The images cracked the universe in ways scientists never could have imagined, multiplying the estimated number of galaxies from 10 billion to 50 billion just by looking at the sky, never ever giving up for 100 hours. His colleagues thought it was a terrible idea, but Bob Williams set his attention on the sky above him for 100 hours and it transformed the way he understood the universe. I think we can learn a lesson from Bob in a world that focuses all of our attention on earthly things. Maybe our lives would be transformed a little bit if we just shifted our attention to heavenly things. As we jump into our text today, we're going to look at Colossians 3, 1 through 11. And you will notice there's a shift in tone and a shift in subject matter. In chapter 3 of Colossians, Paul begins the practical application of the doctrines that he has been teaching us in chapters one and two. Now, I've explained to you that's how Paul writes. It's consistent in all of his letters. The first part of the book is doctrine. It's difficult doctrine. And the second part of the book is practical application. So it's like, here's what we believe, and because this is what we believe, this is how we're supposed to behave. (laughs) How many of you know your behavior is based on what you believe? And Paul has been talking to us in Colossians about our belief in Christ, who is the resurrection and the life, and he's the creator of the universe, and all of these things that we've learned. Now, in chapter 3, he's going to give us some instruction. Based upon what we know, this is what we should do. Based upon the doctrine, here's the duty. Once again, the key to it all is Jesus Christ, and he's mentioned four times in the first four verses of our text. The... Title of our subject in the book of Colossians is Christ above all And If you aren't picking that up, you're not reading the same book. I'm reading because listen to this If then you were raised with Christ Seek those things which are above where Christ is Sitting at the right hand of God set your mind on things above not on things on the earth for you died And your life is hidden with Christ in God when Christ who is our life appears then you also will appear with him in glory. What is the link between Christ and you? And what is the link between Christ and me? And why is that so important? In the first 11 verses of Colossians chapter three, the apostle Paul answers that question. He says, Christ is everything. He ends the chapter by saying he's all in all. He is everything. And first of all, because Christ is in you, you are a new person let's unpack that for just a moment three times in this passage paul uses the phrase with christ he uses the words with w-i-t-h he describes our connection to christ listen in verse one he says you were raised with christ in verse three he says your life is hidden with christ in verse four you also will appear with him in glory i've highlighted the word with to show you how critical it is in this frame of thinking with is a word of connection our lifeline to christ the bible says when he died we died with him when he was buried so were we and when he was resurrected we were resurrected with him and now he is seated at the right hand of the father and the bible says we're there too So how could that be? Well, let me explain it. When Jesus went to the cross, he took all of our sins on him. So when he died, we were there. Everything that we've ever done or will do that's rotten and corrupt and anti-God and sinful and vulgar and just simply wrong, everything, all of it was on Jesus. When he died, we died with him. And when he was buried, we were buried with him. But thank God when he came out of the grave victorious over death, we were with him then. So we are resurrected in Jesus Christ. We're alive in Christ. That's what the text is saying. I want you to understand the truth is just that radical. The old you is dead. It's in the grave. The new you is raised to walk in the newness of life and to live victoriously for Jesus Christ. Because of your connection with Christ, three things are true about you. First of all, your past has been changed. Colossians 3, 1 and 3 says, if then you were raised with Christ, you died. And the word if there is not a word of doubt. The word really should be translated since. Since you were raised with Christ, you died. 1st You've been raised up second. You've died our identification with Christ and his cross has two aspects to it First of all our identity with his death Cuts us off from our old life Because we died with Christ our old life is in the rearview mirror Our identity with his resurrection connects us with our new life in this verse we know That the history of every Christ follower is we have been raised with Christ Just as surely as Christ marched out of that tomb first Easter Sunday There was a day when David Jeremiah was spiritually resurrected through faith in Jesus Christ And at that moment the Bible says "Old things passed away and all things became new hallelujah Where before the moment I was dead toward God after that moment I was made alive to Christ When you're dead toward God, nothing works. Your old nature's running the show. And the old nature's not going to take you in the right direction. Before you have Christ, you don't have any hope of doing the right thing regularly. Oh, you'll do some good things, but mostly they'll be done out of wrong motivations. (laughs) But when Christ comes, now you have a new power that you didn't have before. Oh, yes, the old nature's still there. We're going to see that. He doesn't take the old nature away, but he gives you a new nature that now can help you live in resurrection power. In all reality these two things christ's resurrection and christ's death are the key to the passage we have before us today for in the next few verses we're going to be told to put on some things (laughs) because we are connected with christ in his resurrection we'll be able to do that because we are connected with christ in his death we're going to be told to die to some things and put them off your past has been changed you died with christ you resurrected with Christ. It's happened. You don't have to wait for it. You don't have to plan it. You don't have to hope for it. It's already happened. You're new because you died and you're alive. And then your present has been changed. Look at verse 3. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now that you're a Christian, there's something different about you in the present. This is expressed in the words hidden with Christ, which point to our secure relationship Listen to this the Bible says we're with Christ in God. Let me show you how that is if you're a Christian You're in Christ and Christ is in God. It's a double lock on your security You're in Christ Christ is in God the Bible says as a Christian who died and was raised again your current state of affairs is your life is hidden with Christ in God That is a statement concerning your present situation if we are believers the bible says we are hidden It does not say seek to be hidden. It does not say pray that you might be hidden try to hide yourself No, it just says you're hidden when you become a christian The bible says you are hidden in christ The language here is taken from treasures which are hidden or concealed in a place of security and the idea is that the eternal life that you have is a valuable jewel so valuable that you are in the hand of christ and christ has got his security in the hand of the father and let somebody come and try to take you away from that you know i have a lot of friends who say that you can become a christian and then lose your salvation how does that work if when you become a christian you end up in the hand of christ and christ is in the hand of the father Nobody can take you out of that situation. Somebody says, oh, yes, but you can take yourself. Try it. You're in the hand of Christ, and Christ is in the hand of the Father. You can't get out of that relationship. No, if you're saved, you're saved, and you're secure. That's what this is all about. When you become a Christian, you become hidden in Christ, in God. And it's not just about safety and security. It's about secrecy. How many of you know that when you become a Christian, there's a part of you— that's hidden from the rest of the world and people don't understand it. They don't see you praying. They don't see you reading your Bible. They don't see you crying out to God, asking God to help you do this or that. That's all hidden. How many of you know there's a hidden life as a Christian? The Bible says people don't understand it because if you've never experienced, you can't understand it. There's a space in the middle of my life that's God in me. And it's not even available to anybody in my family. It's my hidden life with God you have a hidden life in god too if you're a christian the bible tells us we should work hard to develop that hidden life we should work hard to make sure it's strong when everything out here is coming unglued it's what's in here that holds you together isn't that true so you need to work hard on that hidden life so your past has been changed your present has been changed notice Paul goes on to tell you that not only is your past different and your present's different, but your future's different too. Colossians 3, 4, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Philippians two ten and 11 says this one day, every knee is going to bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every knee in heaven, on earth, those under the earth, every tongue will confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Bible says that one day we're going to be with Christ. That's what Paul wrote. He said, You will appear with him in glory. Now our life is hidden, but one day it's going to appear. We're going to appear with Christ in heaven. Here's what it says in 1 John 3 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed watch this we shall be like him Can you imagine that? I mean take a look at yourself? Come on now (laughs) One day what you see is going to be so radically changed that the only way to describe it is you will be like Jesus For we shall see him as he is in the present. We are hidden but one day we will be revealed with Christ. All that is a secret to everyone now will be made known to everyone. We are in Christ. We are revealed with Christ. Listen to this. We are like Christ. That's your future. So it's true to say that if you're in Christ, you're a new person. Your past is different. Your present is different, and your future is different. Now, Paul goes on to say, since you're a new person, you need to have a new perspective on life. So look at verses 1 and 2 again. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Not on things on the earth when you become a Christian your whole life is changed and when your life is changed Your perspective is changed Now your perspective is more upward than it is downward now you realize that if you seek those things which are above That will help you function in a way that you could never function. Otherwise grammatically these are commands Paul did not say to us that if we would like to do so, here's an option you have for your Christian life. You might want to try looking up. No, he says do it. Look up. When we set our minds on something, what does that mean? We set our hearts on something. It motivates us. It changes us. It energizes us. It makes our eyes shine. It puts a spring in our step. It focuses all our divided attentions to a single laser Intense direction. The Bible says that as Christians, we're to set our hearts on things above. Not get so tangled up in all the stuff that goes on in the world around us, but to set our heart on things above. So, in times like these, we have to look somewhere for answers. Psychologists tell us we should look within, opportunists tell us we should look around. Optimists say we should look ahead the pessimist says we should look out (laughs) But God says we should look up even when we feel down We should look up In the midst of the chaos of our generation men and women we are to seek a perspective that can come only from God Just as the compass points north our perspective should be trained so that it points toward the things of heaven remember we're citizens of that place toward which we set our hearts." Why should we set our hearts on heaven? Well, listen to this. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we're so mixed up, and one of the reasons we have a lot of trouble as Christians even negotiating life is because we let things get out of perspective. For instance, Christians are not citizens of the earth trying to get to heaven They're citizens of heaven trying to figure out how to make their way through earth. (laughs) Isn't that true? One of the reasons why we struggle sometimes on this earth is we weren't created for this place. We were created for heaven, and we're living in a foreign country. (laughs) And doesn't it feel like that sometimes? And it's getting more foreign than it's ever been before. (laughs) So not only are we to seek those things that are above, but then Paul goes on, he says it again. Secondly, we are to set our minds on things above. The phrase, set your mind, means to focus your thoughts on something. In other words, it's the mental discipline of directing your thinking on things that aren't so earthy. We set our minds on spiritual things, and for whatever it's worth, that's one of the great takeaways of writing the Scripture like some of you have been doing. You can't do that as slowly as you have to do it without thinking about the words. And I can tell you what the words do. The words help you focus on heaven and Christ and spiritual things. You have to work hard at that. That's a discipline that's really beneficial. And many of you have come and told me that I got a letter from a lady this week. She said, I've always listened to the Bible. I've always memorized the Bible, but I never realized the power of writing the Bible. She said, In the process i feel so sorry for paul he had to do this this way all through the writings of his letters he wrote them longhand that's why he was such a godly man he had the word of god in him It came into him through his fingertips as he wrote it out in the scripture and it'll do that for you when paul wrote this statement he used a verb tense that means just keep on doing this don't just do it once don't just focus on heaven on sundays but focus on heaven all the time No, that doesn't mean you walk around like some zombie looking up in the sky, wandering around and bumping into stuff. No, it just means change your perspective. What does God think about this? I wonder where God is in all this. Start to think about things from a perspective of a Christian who belongs to Jesus Christ, whose citizenship is in heaven, who one day is going to spend eternity there. So maybe you should kind of check it out and let it influence what you do down here. It says, set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. Let me just mention that. Paul's telling us to set our minds on heaven, but he's not telling us to forego the physical challenges and chores of everyday life. God wants you to take care of earthly business. We live in this physical world. We should do everything including everyday responsibilities and do it as unto the Lord. So it's okay to buy a car. It's okay to buy a house, Certainly. It's okay to set your heart and mind on some things that you're looking forward to do, but don't let that be everything in your life. Don't let that become your God. Listen to the psalmist. You know, every once in a while you read a statement and you figure out, boy, he's got this together. The psalmist went through some tough times, as you know. He made some pretty serious mistakes. But listen to what he says in Psalm 73:25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside you. David said, let me tell you what my heart is. Everything is in heaven, in my God. Who do I have in heaven beside you? And there's nobody on this earth that comes close to what you mean in my life. Along with these positive injunctions, we're given corresponding negative injunction, not things on earth. Don't let that get you off course. You know, you run into some people who read a little bit of the Scripture, but they don't read it all. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> Somebody tells them, you know, such your things on heaven, so they don't go to the grocery store anymore. They don't take a bath anymore. They don't wash anymore. They don't wear new clothes anymore. What are you doing? Oh, I've got my eyes on heaven. <laughs> That's not what the Bible says, and it's not what it means. In fact, Paul goes out of his way to say, That's not what it means. So don't take it out of context. Hmm. Well, we'll have some more about this subject tomorrow here on Turning Point when we get together for the Tuesday edition. Uh, We're studying the book of Colossians. We're about halfway through the study. And we're at the beginning of the third chapter, which is kind of the beginning of the practical application of Paul's truth uh, that was written from his jail cell in Rome to the believers in the Church of Colossae. Please join us tomorrow for the next part of what it means to be in Christ. And then Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to talk about the Christian's dress code. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great one. And finally, uh, Friday and Monday, the Christian household, a little bit about family Uh, There's a lot of really practical things left for us to study in this book, and if you want the whole study in writing, a brand-new book, 288-page hardback book, has just come out. It's called Christ Above All. It's the book of Colossians, and it's yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point today of any size. All you have to do is say, send me the book, Christ Above All, and it will be on its way. You have to ask for the book. But when you ask for it, it's yours. We want to send it to you. We believe this is a way for us to add value to your life. I know that uh, written doctrine is permanent doctrine. Uh, And when you need to be refreshed, you can go back and read it. It's right there. And I hope you'll make it a part of your library. It's our way of saying thank you. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Christ Above All, please visit our website. There you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, be sure to ask for your copy of David's new book, Christ Above All a verse-by-verse study in Colossians to help you truly know who Jesus is. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Christ Above All, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you want to learn more about the person of Jesus Christ, the book of Colossians offers an unrivaled portrayal of our Savior. And to help you understand this important book in a deeper way, Dr. David Jeremiah has created a verse-by-verse study called Christ Above All. This helpful book and album are yours when you donate $60 to Turning Point. And with an $80 gift, you'll also receive the written word journal. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you available in the new King James and New International versions in standard or large print as well as the English Standard version in standard print for more details or to order your copy go to davidjeremiah.ca/jsb
0: I have heard it said that there are two kinds of people those who create joy wherever they go and those who create joy whenever they go Hopefully, we all want to be the first kind of person, someone who is joyful and shares that joy with others wherever we go. But how can we do that when sometimes life is sorrowful? We do it supernaturally. The Bible says that joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit, the manifestation of the divine life of Christ in us. The only way to be joyful is to make sure Christ is living within us. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's joy in knowing Christ on Route 66.
1: Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.